Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. The other host joining me today is Daniel Sun. Ooh, hello. Spooky. <laughs> now, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that no AI programs were used or harmed in the creation of this episode. The research for this show and all of its work was created solely by humans. If you would like to support the show, then there are a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways to do that is through Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up is only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 179 extra Patreon episodes. Now, to see this full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and there you will see an entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have previously published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is Ghost Stories Patreon Edition, where we cover listener-submitted ghost stories. So you get access to those episodes, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you'd still like to help us out, then feel free to leave us a written review on iTunes or Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. Don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabra, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is Ghost Stories 2023. And how today's episode will go is that we're going to talk a little bit about the history of ghosts, and then we're going to get into some ghost stories involving Ouija boards, and then other ghost stories as well. And then we will wrap it up with some listener-submitted ghost stories, and then uh, maybe a few stories of our own. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Whispers of individuals having otherworldly encounters with mysterious entities echo throughout the ages. Some call them eerie apparitions, dancing with the departed, or even glimpses of the afterlife. Do these tales of ghostly encounters serve as echoes of unresolved pasts, or are they glimpses into a world beyond our understanding? In this exploration of the supernatural, we embark on a journey into the realm of the unexplained and peer into the shadows that have haunted humanity for generations. This is Ghost Stories. All right, so to start off today's episode, we are going to discuss a little bit about the history of ghosts and then get into some ghost stories from individuals around the world, including some involving Ouija boards 
and even listener-submitted stories. So, Dan, do you want to start it off for us? Absolutely. So, ghosts are believed to be the restless spirit of an individual. Now, this belief is based on the ancient idea that a person's spirit exists separately from his or her body and that it may continue to exist after that person dies. Throughout history, almost all major ancient civilizations have held beliefs involving the survival of souls after a person died. In many cases, when a person would die, their soul went to a realm of the dead but might return to the living world under certain situations. The most common situation would be if they were improperly buried or if they had unfinished business. However, that belief varies. For example, in ancient Mesopotamia, they believed that the souls of the dead could return as ghosts and that these ghosts would manifest themselves as sickness among the living. So what would the doctors do back in the day? Well, they would tell the sick person to confess any sins that they had committed, that it was probably their sinning ways that summoned up the dead to infect them. After the person confessed their sins, the doctor would then treat them with spells to get the ghosts, a.k.a. sickness, to go away. Now, ghosts would continue to appear throughout history, including in early works of European literature dating as far back as 700 BCE. Ghosts back then were described as shadows in human form or as corpses stained with the blood of the wounds that killed them. Some individuals stated that the ghosts were as black as night, while others described them being pale due to their loss of blood and the lack of sunlight in the underworld. In most of these cases involving the underworld, it was said that the souls of the recently deceased made their journey to the underworld without any trouble. However, if a person was killed in a certain way that sort of agitated the soul, then that would cause it to linger in the world of the living as a ghost, either seeking vengeance or justice. Now, another thing worth noting is that during this period, individuals also believed that these souls were lingering in the world as a ghost were susceptible to the power of necromancers. Rumors spread throughout towns and villages of these necromancers casting spells to summon these restless souls. Once summoned, the necromancers would then bind these ghosts to their will, exploiting them for information and also getting them to do their bidding, such as haunting other individuals. In regards to summoning these ghosts, necromancers had a very specific ceremony that they would perform. The summoner, aka necromancer, would first dig a shallow pit. After the pit was dug, the summoner would then pour an offering into this pit of honey-sweetened milk, wine, water, barley, and blood. Following that, the summoner would offer a burnt sacrifice and then start praying to the gods of the dead, which included Hades. After this ceremony, it is said that the ghosts would appear, some of them eager to return to the world of the living. However, some were reluctant and would get pissed off at the necromancer for disturbing their peace. These ghosts would often lash out at the necromancer, aka summoner, and haunt them in their dreams. So throughout history, tales of ghosts returning from the dead to haunt the places they left behind have played a prominent role in many cultures around the world. Everyone from your neighbor to even historical figures ranging from the Queen of England, oi, 
the reptilian queen, rest in peace, to politicians, <laughs> and even writers have encountered ghosts and have shared their stories of their mysterious encounters. Now, before we hop into some ghost stories from individuals all around the world, we're going to cover a few specific stories. Stories of individuals encountering ghosts after playing with a Ouija board. And I know we previously did an episode over Ouija boards, but these stories that we're going to talk about today have never been covered before. So Ouija boards are supposedly capable of connecting us to the spirits in the beyond, and it allows us to communicate with them. The history of Ouija boards go way back a long time ago. For example, in 1920, a small city in California banned the use of the Ouija board because it supposedly turned everyone in the city crazy. What had occurred is that one day, seven friends gathered to play with the board. Shortly after, the seven friends were seen acting crazy, walking the streets naked and yelling. Hell yeah. The police arrested them, but the spirits that were supposedly unleashed by the board did not want to go away, and they haunted the town of El Cerrito. Shortly after the arrest of the seven individuals, a girl who was found dancing naked said she had stripped down nude because it allowed her to communicate with the ghosts better. Now, as strange as that is, even the police started to become possessed. One police officer in the town ripped off his uniform and started dancing as well. Finally, after arresting 1,200 people, the city council decided it was time to handle this hysteria once and for all. They brought in mental health specialists from all over the country to examine the supposed possessed people and ultimately ended the possession. Shortly after, the city proclaimed that the Ouija board was dangerous and ended up banning the possession and selling of it. Can you imagine being arrested for selling a Ouija board, slanging that Ouija board? I'm not selling a Ouija board. I am selling a board that has the alphabet on it for kids to learn. Oh, man. By the way, why do you have a candle lit right here? For the smell? Just for the smell. Okay, I didn't know if you were trying to conjure up spirits or something. Maybe. Oh, okay. Where do you think that sage went? Got rid of it. Nice. Honestly, just reading that story made me think of the, movie, the Exorcist movie we went to go see. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it was bad. The, the new Exorcist, Exorcist Believer or whatever? Yeah. Ugh. But it's just like the one part where they took off their shoes get like a better grounding grounding i mean getting naked i guess it guess gave them better grounding to connect i guess i don't know they said it was easier for them to communicate with the spirits hmm. i don't know if it was a spirit or a demon yeah all right so let's get into our first official story involving a ouija board well i guess it wouldn't be the first one because we just talked about a story from 1920 true so i guess this would be our second story involving a ouija board and it comes from an individual named Stacy. So the story starts off with, I have a younger sister named Cindy. One afternoon after we got out of middle school, we both decided to try and communicate with spirits through our parents' Ouija board. Nothing happened. However, the following day after school, my sister Cindy wanted to try again. I told her that I didn't want to and for her to go ahead without me. Cindy went into the other room and tried to call for a spirit by herself. Around 10 minutes later, my sister Cindy ran into my room and was excited. She had supposedly contacted Jake, 
her long-lost friend who had died several years ago. Every day after school, Cindy would take the Ouija board and talk with Jake. A week later, after school, when we got home, Cindy took the Ouija board, like she normally did, and went into her room to conjure up Jake to talk with him. Around five minutes later, I began hearing a constant, steady banging coming from her room. I opened the door to her room to find Cindy standing in the corner of her room, crying, banging her head against the wall. I asked her what was wrong, but she did not reply. I called my mother who immediately came home to find Cindy still banging her head on the wall. Cindy refused to talk to anyone and my mother took her to the hospital to get stitches and a mental evaluation. During the evaluation, Cindy had stated that her friend Jake was in fact not Jake, that the entire time she had been speaking with a demon. The demon told her that if she told anyone that they were contacting each other, that she would die. After a few weeks in a mental hospital, my sister Cindy made a full recovery. However, to this day, she refuses to speak about the Ouija board incident. And that is the story from Stacy involving a Ouija board. I mean, you open that passageway and it's more than likely probably not someone that you're thinking you're talking to. Yeah. My thing is, how long did she bang her head up against the wall before her mom got there? Because if her mom was at work, why didn't Stacy go inside there and like put some padding between her sister's head and the wall? Maybe the steady banging was fast paced. Not enough time. Ugh. I mean, she had to get stitches, so obviously it, she was doing that for a while. Mm. She was what, in middle school? Middle school. Frontal lobe development of the brain is important all the way up till your mid-20s. So hopefully it didn't damage it too bad. I mean, supposedly she made a full recovery and... Yep. If you're out there, Stacy, send us an email. All right. So let's move on to our next story involving a Ouija board. And this one comes from an individual named Chad. So the story starts off with... In 1986, I was a junior in high school. And compared to other schools, our high school was fairly small. Due to this, everyone in our high school got along. Now, before I tell you my story, you need to know about a kid that went to our school named Johnny. Everyone loved Johnny. However, a few months prior, he had learned that he was suffering from a fatal disease, and this was a shock to everyone. All right, so now that you know that, let me tell you about what happened. One night in 1986, a group of my friends all decided to head to my house and play with a Ouija board that I had just purchased. So as the night went on, my friends kept asking the board certain questions, usually dumb stuff, and then the planchette would move and they would often blame one another as the person moving it. Well, the game took a dark turn when someone asked out loud to the Ouija board, how much longer does our friend Johnny have to suffer before he gets better? The planchette moved around and spelled out June 24th, 1987. At that point, someone took a piece of paper out and wrote the date down and sealed that piece of paper in an envelope. We all thought it would be a good idea to give this envelope to Johnny 
on that day as a congratulations card for defeating his illness. You're fucking horrible, Dan. No, I'm laughing because it's fucking terrible. It's terrible. See, their mindset is that he's going to defeat this illness, okay? They should have thought about the way they worded that. How much longer does our friend Johnny have to suffer before he gets better? Oh, God. Okay. When June 24th, 1987 rolled around, Johnny's suffering ended. Unfortunately, it was not how we all expected. Johnny ended up passing away. We all got together and ended up opening the envelope in which we wrote the date down on the year prior. However, we were all shocked to see that the piece of paper was blank. There was no writing on it at all. That's weird. That is kind of weird. All right. So those are a few Ouija board stories. Now we are going to get into some ghost stories involving individuals all around the world. The first ghost story that we are going to cover, not involving a Ouija board, is from an individual named Phil. It starts off with, It didn't take long before weird things began happening. Little things at first, like lights flipping on without anyone turning them on. My dad, a natural skeptic, claimed the electricity was wired wrong or something. Then other things began happening. The television channels would begin flipping while you tried to watch television, even if you were alone and had the remote right next to you. Cassette tapes, which if you don't know what that is, it was before CDs, which you don't know what that is, they were round discs. They were round discs. Yeah. And cassette tapes were like square little plastic. And they played music. God, it makes me feel old. Yeah. Anyways, the cassette tapes would stop in the middle of a song and rewind itself to the start of another song and play. All of these things were annoying, but the one thing that really worried my mother was when she began hearing footsteps pacing back and forth through the room my brother and I shared at night. The first time she heard it, she came in there thinking it was either my brother or I. But when she came in to tell us to get back to bed, she found both of us sleeping soundly. Once again, when she told my dad how worried she was about it, my dad just laughed it off and stated, they hear you coming and jump in bed before you get there. It got to the point that on these nights she heard this, she couldn't sleep and sometimes she even slipped into our room to sit in the corner out of fear for our safety. She would only go to bed during the day after we had gone off to school and my dad off to work. She claimed that her sleep would often be interrupted by shutting doors or the toilet flushing even though she was the only one in the house. When she finally went to her friend and told her about what was happening, the friend was not shocked. The friend said that she knew the house was haunted and not to worry, that she was sure it was just her grandmother and her grandmother would never hurt us. My dad, once again, chuckled at the effects of an overactive imagination. My dad had always been spared in the experiences the rest of us knew all too well. Even if he did experience something, he always had reasoning behind them. That changed one night when he was home alone watching television. He heard someone in the carport. Being that he had all the lights off, he instantly decided that someone was trying to break in. So he tiptoed into the kitchen to peek out the window to see who was inside of the carport. Just as he reached the kitchen, he heard the screen door open. He grabbed a knife 
assuming that whoever it was was intent on coming in. He peeked out the window again, which the window was placed at an angle that you could see who was knocking at the carport door, but no one was there. So he reached for the doorknob to go out and see what was going on, and the doorknob twisted in his hand from the outside. Needless to say, we moved out within two weeks. My dad is still not ready to admit that it had been a ghost, but he does say that the house was just plain creepy and that something beyond human understanding was going on there. And that story is from Phil. Probably somebody in the garage hiding really well. One of those, uh, what do they call them, froggers? The people who sneak into your house? Squatters? Not squatters. There's a specific name for them, like froggers or something. They're the people that are in your house and live there while you're there, but you are unaware of them. Like in the attic or in the walls? Yeah. They come out when you're all asleep and eat your food. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. All right, so let's get on to our next ghost story. The next story that we're going to cover today is from an individual named Skylar. Our home has quite a lot of paranormal things. My mother, my two sisters, and myself have all encountered something paranormal. Last Sunday, as I was arriving home from softball practice, I got that little churning in my stomach that something terrible was going to happen. As I stated, I had practiced, so I needed to shower. When I got into the bathroom, I felt a chill, but that didn't make sense because it was a good 70 degrees outside. I went to get a towel from the basement. My cat was down there, and when I went to pet her, she looked behind me and hissed. That alone scared me half to death, but when I turned around, Nothing was there. I was frightened, so I grabbed a towel and went back upstairs. When I was all done with my shower, I wrapped a towel around me and went to get my heart pendant necklace from the counter, and I heard a loud click. I turned around to tell whoever was at the door to get out, but when I turned, nobody was there. I thought it must have been my sister playing a trick since everyone else was gone. But when I got to the living room, I saw my sister left me a note saying that she was around town with friends and that she would be back around 8 o'clock. Later that night, I kept seeing a little shadow of a girl in a blue dress running around the house. That night, I did not sleep. I don't blame her. I wouldn't have slept either. I would have punted that little girl in the blue dress. You know... I don't know if I ever mentioned it. My oldest brother's house, they say upstairs in the, I think it's like one of my niece, well, it used to be my niece's room. It was like originally like a game room. Like you go up the stairs, turn right, and it's all the way at the end of the hallway. It was the room above the garage. They always talked about there was a little girl, like a little ghostly girl that would come out from that room and like stand at the end of the hallway and just like walk back and forth. And that was it. Like she never really did anything to him. The thing is though, this house was, newly built so i don't know if it was built on some type of land or something i don't know but yeah they always talked about the little girl like she never caused them any harm it just scared the shit out of them at times damn all right well let's get on to our next ghost story which is from an individual named sheila one stormy snowy winter night my husband and i went down into our basement to install a punching bag from the ceiling. 
My husband had been experiencing a lot of stress in his job, and we decided he could work out his aggressions by punching the punching bag. We had all of our tools laid out on the table and were just about ready to start pounding the holes for the bracket that would hold the punching bag. Then we heard a clap of thunder, kind of unusual for a snowstorm. Then suddenly we heard a very anguished, low moaning sound outside the side door to our house. Oh yeah? We stared at each other. The sound came again. Oh yeah? It sounded like a human voice howling in agony and frustration. I have never heard such an anguished moaning howl before. It stopped my heart for a second. My husband bolted up the stairs and opened the side door and looked around. I came up behind him to take a look as well. There was about an inch of snow on the ground and we fully expected to see footprints going around the house and God knows what else, but there were no footprints in the snow, not a single one. We were both so unnerved by the experience that we never even went back downstairs that night. We abandoned our project entirely and spent the evening trying to figure out who or what had made such anguished sounds outside our door. And that is from Sheila. I mean, during a snowstorm, I expect the wind to be pretty strong. Yeah. When you get those screen doors and have them at an angle where the wind's hitting them, they make some really weird sounds. They do. That could be that. The sound is pretty scary and creepy, but... Yeah, it's not like somebody's out there going, Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, Danny? Um, I mean, there could be. <laughs> there could be somebody out there. Doing that. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So that was that story from Sheila. Then our next ghost story is from a New York police officer named Joe Lanny. Now, instead of us reading this ghost story out, we actually have a short audio clip of Joe telling us a story, which we're going to listen to right now. My ghost story began on September 11, 2001 in New York City. I happened to be home sleeping. My wife, Carol, called me and told me that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. I jumped up out of bed, went downstairs, turned the TV on, and watched the second plane hit. I was in overdrive. Everything's pumping, and I get myself into Manhattan. I was with the NYPD for 20 years, and the precinct that I was assigned to is one of the closest police precincts to Ground Zero. When we arrived at the scene, it was unbelievable. There were fire trucks, vehicles upside down, dust a foot deep. It was chaos. Two to three weeks after 9-11, I was transferred to Fresh Kills Landfill in Staten Island, where all of the debris from the World Trade Center was transported by barge or dump truck for us to sift through. There were hundreds of pieces of personal effects, from driver's licenses to rings to human remains. It was tough for Joe to work 12-hour shifts, six or seven days a week. This was really emotionally draining more than his normal work. I worked from 4 in the afternoon till 4 in the morning, and at night, I would drive around in the Hummer. And while I was driving around, I saw a male walking around the debris field in the middle of the night. And I knew what I was looking at. 
It was a victim from 9-11, and it was a spirit of a male. After working at Fresh Kills for approximately five months, I suffered a massive heart attack. I was transported by ambulance to St. Vincent's Hospital on Staten Island. I was released five or six days later. I was just happy to be alive. I was forced to retire from the NYPD. After a few months, the paranormal activity was kicked into high gear. The spirits were coming right at me. One night, I was watching TV, and a shadow walks in front of a lamp, and the whole room went dark. And I said, you got to be kidding me. At night, I am bothered all night by spirits. I was in a deep sleep, and I am touched on my head. And I wake up, and it is a dead, damp cold. It's as though my body is dead. After working at Fresh Kills, I believe that the spirits from 9-11 have attached to me. I'm a magnet to the spirit world. I could feel cold spots. I could smell cigarette smoke, perfume, and my cell phone battery would drain. I would begin taking photos. And many times, the photos would prove what I was sensing. Well, the picture in my car, you can actually see mist or ectoplasm. It was not present when that picture was taken. The following night, I saw the Twin Towers illuminated in that same spot. Burned out floors and all. We could tell right away that it was the World Trade Center. You could see the floors that looked like they had been burned out. So we just knew that that had something to do with 9-11. Well, that was interesting. Hmm? All right. So while we watched that, I did ask Aaron, just like, is he saying fresh kills? Aaron's just like, no, it sounds like fish kills, which I looked it up and it is fish kills, but it's pronounced like V-I-S then K-I-L. Oh, okay. It's a Dutch name for the city or the town that they uh, took the debris to. Yeah, I thought he was saying fresh kills the whole time. I'm just like, that's a horrible place to take the debris to. Yeah. If anyone wants to see that video, we'll have a link to it on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can go to our website, click on today's episode, and a link to that video will be right there. You can watch it and you can see all of the photographs that he's talking about, which it's just pictures of him and what looks like smoke surrounding him. I didn't see his name spelled out in the smoke or whatever. I didn't see that. I couldn't see his name, but I could see that there were lines in it writing something in there. Now, keep in mind, he was taking these photos on his Motorola Razor. Flip phones. Like 2003 or 2004. Only thing I was real skeptical about is the 9-11 towers when he saw it on the cabinet things. Yeah. My thing is, like, when I moved to Texas here, I started seeing more and more of my vehicle everywhere I drove. I mean, granted, there are a shit ton of RAV4s around here. I see your vehicle everywhere now. Same color and everything. There's a person that lives right down the road here, or in the same subdivision that has the same color. There's one that I think works at the grocery store down here. So there's like three or four at least of the same color car. The Lunar Rock. Do you think maybe it's just him being consumed with working 12 hours a day, six days a week, and being exposed to that nonstop? Yeah, you start seeing that stuff everywhere. And then you get sleep deprived and you hallucinate? Yeah. Now, granted, 
some of the images did look kind of creepy. I mean, he said like the one with all the smoke or whatever the whatever he called it. He said that it wasn't there when he took the picture. It was clear. So in the picture, it showed up all on there. Hmm. Could be a malfunction in the razor, Motorola razor. Him being scared, probably had his hand over the lens, fogged it up. Yeah, maybe. All right, so that is the story from Joe. Now we're going to transition into a couple of the listener-submitted ghost stories. And the first one is from Michael J. All right, so this listener-submitted story starts off with, been listening to the show for almost a year now and have heard pretty much every episode and enjoyed every minute. I'm all the way in Australia, so every Thursday morning I get a new episode to listen to at work. Anyway, into the story. This happened about five years ago, when I was 15 years old. I've had the usual experiences in my house, like doors closing on their own, voices and lights being turned on despite being the only one at home. But this took the cake. To add some info to the story, my bedroom door faces the kitchen. When I'm in bed with the door open, I can see straight into the kitchen. And on this particular night, I had my door open. It was about 3 a.m. and I was watching YouTube when I heard my dog jump off my parents' bed and walk along our hallway. I can hear his nails tapping on the floorboards as he walks all the way into my room, jumps up, and sits at my feet. I felt his weight on the bed and next to my leg, so I sat up and reached down to pat him, but much to my surprise, he's not there. And instead, there is an ice-cold imprint where he was supposed to be. Now mind you, I can still feel what should be the weight of him on the bed. And the moment I reached down to touch the imprint, the lights in the kitchen started going crazy, flickering on and off for a solid minute until I sat back down, freaked out. Needless to say, that was not my dog on my bed that night. My mom believes it was her dad coming to check on me, which I believe just because I don't want to believe it's some random ghost looking at me. For an extra tidbit, a couple days before this, when I was about to go to sleep, I was laying on my back with my head turned to the right. My head started slowly rolling to the left, and when I tried to push it back to the right, I felt an invisible force stop me from returning my head to its original position. As my head slowly made it all the way around to the left, my eyes shot open and I immediately started tearing up while looking at my desk chair, which was facing me. And just like before, the lights in the kitchen had started flickering. Thanks for reading this, even if it doesn't make it onto the episode. I hope you at least found it a bit creepy. I look forward to hearing the ghost stories of other listeners and keep up the great work you and Aaron have been doing on the podcast. From Michael J. Thank you, Michael J. Yeah, I appreciate that. So he said he heard the nails of his dog walking, but there was nothing there, and he thinks it was his grandfather sitting down. So his grandfather's got some long nails? I suppose so. Got some long toenails. I know you hear Coda when he was walking around on the wood floor. Mm -hmm. You hear the little tick, 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 tick. But yeah, he heard that. Like, he heard the jumping from when the dog jumps off the bed, makes that loud Mm -hmm. noise, then the nails on the floorboard, then he felt it jump onto the bed, and he felt the weight of the dog, but there was no dog. It was something else. A cold imprint, which I believe was his grandfather's. Weird. All right. So thank you for that listener-submitted story, Michael. Now we are going to move on to our next 
listener submitted ghost story, which comes from Paige. Hey guys, Paige here. I've had quite a few paranormal experiences throughout my life, and I could probably fill up an entire episode if I was to sit here and tell you all about them. But today's story isn't technically speaking mine, although I was present at the time. I'd like to warn everyone that this story does get slightly graphic and disturbing. Listener discretion advised. This story begins in a small town out here in the Pacific Northwest called Ridgefield in Washington. My mom, my baby brother, and I all lived in a little duplex home on Main Street. I was a pretty young child, and my brother was roughly a year old at the time. But for reasons unknown to me at the time, and although I was beyond old enough to have my own room, my mom always insisted that I shared the bedroom with her and my baby brother. She always told me that it was because we had yet to get my bed out of our storage unit, which was in another town. But I later discovered that the truth was because she had a horrifying paranormal experience in the room that would have been my bedroom. On one of the nights that we were moving in and beyond that moment, she didn't feel that the room was safe enough for me to have to myself. But that experience is not the one that I'll be sharing today. So we fast forward to the night in question. My mom, brother, and I were all fast asleep in our room when my mom suddenly awoke to a sleep paralysis type of sensation. She felt the weight of something pressing down on her chest and she couldn't move or make a sound. She suddenly became aware of the fact that she could hear an extremely loud mumbling or chanting coming from all around the room. She described it as sounding like a hundred different TVs on all at once on different stations, playing at full volume. At about this time, once she had a moment to process what the hell was happening, she became aware of the fact that she was in the presence of something she believed to be demonic in nature. She saw nothing in the room at all, but she said the chanting mumbling was deafening and seemed to only grow louder and louder. She still had no control over her body whatsoever when she felt both of her legs being lifted into the air by an invisible entity. They then began to spread apart. This is where she truly began to panic that she felt that she was going to be sexually taken advantage of and or harmed by this being. That's when she started praying for it to go away in her mind. She told me that she had never prayed harder in her life up until that moment. Suddenly, there was a small noise that came from the front room. And the very second that noise sounded, Everything stopped immediately. The chanting, the paralysis, her legs fell back to the bed. She could sit up now. My brother and I never even stirred in our sleep. We stayed in that house for less than a year. I had a few strange experiences of my own there, but nothing as terrifying as what my mom encountered on multiple occasions. Unfortunately, mom's no longer with us. She passed in 2017 to pneumonia. But this story has been recounted as she told it to me so many years ago and multiple years after it happened. I believe that something benevolent caused that noise that scared off whatever entity was attacking her. I wish I could thank them. Thanks for reading my story, guys. Love y'all and I'm proud of y'all. Well, thank you, Paige, for sharing it with us. Yes, thank you for sharing that and sorry for your loss, Still, Sorry about your mother. Thank you for sharing your story and uh, we would love to hear more. Send us an email if you want share some more of your stories i don't know man that 
They hear like the mumbling, the chanting, can't move. Scary. So that right there is our last listener submitted story. If you want to listen to more, like we previously stated, our Patreon episode today is filled with other listener submitted stories. We have a ton more. That we do. This was just the taste. Just a little taste. So now we get into our personal thoughts and theories. And I know both of us have shared pretty much all of our ghost experiences on previous ghost story episodes. Yeah. But I want to talk about a theory that I have. Okay. About ghosts. What if ghosts are just aliens in another dimension? And I know that sounds stupid, but hear me out. With the recent developments in aliens and UFOs and all that, a lot of talk has been around them being from another dimension or something. Something that is not human that we can't comprehend. So what if it's them just crossing over into our dimension or them being in that other dimension but still able to interact with us without us knowing? And there are some evil aliens that like to mess with us or haunt us. I don't know. That's just a theory I'd like to throw out. I think we talked about something like that. It's like the aliens are studying us and they're the ones that are just like hiding in the rooms watching us. And all we can see is like a black figure. We can't make out what they are. And they disguise themselves as apparitions of humanly figures so that we don't freak out and say it's an alien. They tap into our memories. Say, okay, well, this person passed away that they loved. Let me look like that individual while I stand in the room and study them. And if they wake up and see it, they'll just think, oh, it's a loved one that was watching over them, not a strange alien being watching them as they sleep. Yeah, it's a loved one that, and they're more acceptable to accepting and talking to. Yeah. Well, I can see that. I don't know, I was thinking something like another dimension, but I don't know if I would say dimension or like a parallel timeline that they, even though they're parallel, they just get a little too close and, you mean the timelines get too close or they get too close? The timelines get too close and... It bleeds over? It bleeds over. Well, that's interesting. I would love to hear everyone else's theories on it. Send us an email at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at Theories of the Third Kind, or Dan, D-A-N, at Theories of the Third Kind, with your theories on ghosts. And I would love to read them. Yeah, ghosts are very interesting. I know there's good ones and obviously there's evil ones too, it seems. but. What are they exactly? Are they just a fragment of our imagination made up to explain something that we can't explain? Or are they a, you know, a coping mechanism of sorts? Or are they really a being that's a part of another dimension that we are unaware of? Or is just souls stuck in, the, in between? Well, with that being said, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing every single day one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. Love you, daddy.